Hello and welcome to Into Your Life podcast. I'm Lenka and I'm joined here by my wonderful co-host Natalie. We have discussions with guests about ways to live happier, healthier and more fulfilling lives, both personally and professionally. That sounds great. Let's go. Today we have a very special interview. This is the first time we're doing a foursome. This is the first time we have two special guests joining us today. And I couldn't be more excited to welcome back my good friend and colleague, David Brown. And I've known David for quite a while. I was thinking about when we actually met and it was pretty much at the beginning of my business journey. In Cambridge, there was a networking group just starting out and we both kind of just started going there. And through there, I definitely explored a lot of the world of David and his work because of the connection we created a networking group. So David is a life coach, but I also know that he's very interested in the world of embodiment and that he has some experience with martial arts. And I love how he's bringing the life coaching and mindset with the physical together. And today together we have joining his wonderful colleague, Thea Allison, who is also a life coach. And together they're developing and doing this incredible thing with archetypes and sovereign leadership. But without any further ado, I would like my our guests to actually introduce themselves because they will be the one to be able to tell you a little bit more about who they are, what they do, how they got to really working together and providing this interesting insight to people around. So whoever wants to step in, David, yeah, welcome. Well, thanks for a wonderful introduction, Lenka, and thanks for uh, inviting us both to come uh, to Natalie as well. Um, so how did it all begin? It all began for me anyway. It all began with for me with my uh, journey in martial arts. That would be over 30 years ago now. I started doing martial arts. And although I wouldn't have said that when I was learning this stuff that I would have framed it in that way. Um, but really the martial arts taught me a lot about uh, the embodiment of the archetypes that Thea and I uh, work with today. So very particularly the um, sovereign archetype, the warrior archetype, obviously as well, the magician archetype, and then also um, a little bit of the lover archetype as well. And when I started to develop, to develop my martial arts into coaching, to actual life coaching, um, that lover archetype really started to kind of snowball and, and, and really take effect as well. So I feel like I have, personally, I have like over 30 years experience of all of these wonderful archetypes. And it was a question of how do I bring, how do I find a way of bringing it alive that, um, for people who aren't doing martial arts who want to be able to use this in their everyday lives to be able to use this in their relationships in their careers in their in their own health and their own well-being as well and um when Thea and I met on a, in an embodiment training course called the um uh, embodied facilitators course she and I had a, a wonderful introduction because we had a um, a, a thing called the untalent show that we had to do on one of our residentials and Thea and I um, sang the theme music to or the theme song to the Muppet show and it was the beginning of a really really wonderful relationship that has now developed into us developing this work with archetypes for um, for people and doing it with an embodied quality to it so that's kind of my introduction um, and I'll let Thea introduce it from her perspective. Thanks, David. Who'd have thought the beginning of a great business partnership was singing, being Miss Piggy and <laughs> Kermit the Frog together? Um, yeah, I, I, I think I would probably term myself as a, a leadership and life coach. And in particular, in recent years, I've come to see that as leadership without leaving life behind because my own experience as a leader of organizations was that I really left life behind and uh, it didn't serve me. My life became very 
limited and lonely in many aspects. And so I started on a journey of, of personal development and awareness that uh, began with more, a more intuitive base than, than um, currently. I mean, it's, it remains intuitive, but now I've added embodiment into that into that as a, a kind of a necessary bringing bringing your imagination intuition with the the, the beautiful um ability of the body to adapt in a very practical functional and straightforward way actually so yeah so i'd i'd done 10 11 years of of coaching people as a, an intuitive coach and then I knew I needed to bring the body in because it was a passion of mine and meeting David on the embodied facilitators course was just such a such a bonus and he he ignited this interest in the archetypes in me and what I've seen since then is just how simple it is and how comprehensive and uh meaningful it is to bring the archetypes in to shift the way you're seeing something or the way you're approaching something just to make it more magical, more open, more full of possible possibility and magical. I'm a big advocate for the existence of magic and making magic happen in our lives. I love that. And I really love that you said that your focus is on leadership without leaving the life behind. It's really not lovely how it fits with our podcast, which is all about finding ways to put our lives first, to have the business, to do the marketing, to have the career, but yet knowing how to put their life first and then design everything around it. I love that you are focusing on the similar area the same perspective from leadership but before we dive deeper there are two terms that we kind of started using and i think our listeners would really appreciate a little bit more of an explanation if you could tell us what is it what does it mean embodiment and when you talk about archetypes what is your definition of archetypes and how do you work with them and how can people work with them Yeah, um, yes, we we just slip into our language, don't we, so easily. Um, so embodiment is for me is is a practice as much as, as anything of learning to see and involve your body and your actions as as a beloved thing rather than an object that just does what you need it to do. So it's the difference between touching your hand, like if you do that now, just touch your hand, one hand on the other, and you just touch it. And then you break that connection and do it again, but with a sense that this is the hand that loves. This is the hand that holds the hand of your lover or that strokes the head of a beloved child and feel the difference in the quality of that touch embodiment is a, a practice that makes that awareness more available to us and then also the practice of bringing that awareness into the ways where we behave and respond to life to get better results for ourselves yeah i really love that example of um the quality that you touch you touch your own hand with um and for me the way to describe or one of the ways to describe embodiment is that we tend to think of our body as a kind of like a one of one of the expressions that we hear a lot of is this idea that the body is like a brain taxi so it just kind of carries the brain around and the brain is the thing that is the um is the most important part um and so we tend to sort of physically think of our body in that way so we kind of we we do exercises and we do yoga and we go to the gym and we do all of those things and we think of the body as this physical thing um and then when you go into mindfulness because that's obviously a, a big thing and i know there have been lots of topics um on your podcast around mindfulness there's this idea of being aware of the body so you bring your attention into the body and you be, become aware of what the sensations in the body. But embodiment is much more awareness as the body. 
So being aware of the process of uh, the process of living, the process of existence and to be able to tune in so that you can feel the feelings and sensations of your body, which is full of information, full of stuff that you can use to be able to tell you how you're feeling about things, um, you know, giving you a real sense of whether you feel safe or whether you don't, but being able to do that at a really granular, le granular level so that you are at a place where you can feel a choice, so that you don't have to fall into your default patterns, that you can actually choose to do things differently. And so for me, archetypes is a way of being able to be at choice in our embodiment so that we can choose to do things differently rather than just live out through our default patterns. Um, and so one of the ways in which we can do that with the body is simply being aware of our posture, being aware of how we're breathing, how we hold ourselves, how we move ourselves, um, gives us access to the wisdom of the archetypes. And really it's just embodied wisdom. Really it's just wisdom of the body. Just remove the just in that. It is the, it is the wisdom of the body. It is the wisdom of the archetypes. Um, and using the archetypes as a way of just trying to categorize it so that you can more easily maybe access certain qualities. So, for example, uh, your sovereign, um, some of the qualities of your sovereignty might be to be able to take ownership, to be in your leadership, to have a sense of being able to respond, which is our our definition of responsibility, being able to respond to situations that be a choice rather than simply um, knee jerking is the expression that we use in English to just have our default uh, patterns of behavior that we use. Um, and then, for example, warrior, uh, again, things like boundaries, things like commitment, discipline, focus, um, consistency these qualities that we can find in our bodies that are, could be really important when we're in relationships and we need to say no, to be um, really uh, committed to ourselves in our business, particularly in our heart-led businesses, where sometimes we, we go through periods where we're incredibly committed to what we do, and then sometimes we get distracted. Um, life takes over, and then it's about recommitting to um, those things that are really important to us so that we stay on point and we stay focused on the things that we're really committed to in our business. I do have a lot of experience in lover with lover and magician as well but I, again I feel like handing over to Thea because I know that's her real her real love and her real speciality. Mm, yeah it's so so for me as well with the with lover and and I've I spent my life as a, a very direct and forceful person. I was an, a natural leader in my in my business career, and that could sometimes really lead to quite a masculine way of being, quite a a, a yang energy, that forward kind of pushing energy. And and lover is is a brilliant way for me to access the more receptive mode of of being so that I can actually sit back more now receive a lot more of what comes to me and not have to be pushing all the time not have to be front of stage and I, I still love to be front of stage I am a big show off but <laughs> but I don't have to be it's not the like like David's been saying that's a default pattern in me to be the boss to be at the front and actually now I don't have to be. I can choose to step back when I know it's going to serve me or my end result, the thing I'm trying to do, better for me to do that. And lover really helps me access that more communicative, connected um, energy that's about relationships. It's about, it can be forward as well. Obviously, there's, there's, there's those um, kind of, those more yang aspects of lover that are delightful and delicious, but also able to, to relax more. And magician is, I, you know, for me, 
is all about the realm of intuition, of the wonder of life, the bigness, being able to see that whole, that whole bigger picture and paint the stars and let let other sources of information come in than what we think we know from our very limited perception of life. And I think one of the things that we love about our work is the fact that we embody the archetypes. So most of what we know about the archetypes hasn't come from learning. Um, I think if we sat down with archetypal scholars, we might have a few points of disagreement because all of our awareness really fundamentally has built up, been built up through an embodiment of the qualities of lover, of warrior, of sovereign, and what has come to us through embodying those and the 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 kind of the areas of of growth that they make make a potential for in us comes from putting it into our body bringing out the shapes of it and then being informed by that so it's been a very organic uh growth of our modality basically so i i have a have a bit of a, a little bit of a question as i'm trying to uh I'm loving what, what you're talking about with the embodiment and I'm getting it almost as mindfulness on steroids. It's much more in depth than just understanding our minds or having the right mindset. It just seems to be so much more. And like you say, being aware of, of, of how we are as a, almost as a human and not just the brain taxi. I like the way you describe that. But one thing, because I've, I've never necessarily, I've already heard it, but I've not really registered, is these archetypes. Can you, because you, you've explained, and, and I, I'm assuming, so do correct me if I'm wrong, is like the warrior, lover, magician, these are type of archetypes. But can you go into more depth of what archetypes are or is, and, and how many are there? Is, is there a set amount, or is there just affinity or or just a little bit more for me as well as I'm sure there's some of our audience are going huh what great question Natalie really great question since we've been doing this work I have had quite a lot of people ask me these questions and so that I can answer to some degree of what feels competent I have done a little bit of reading and um so the idea of archetypes was originally brought up by Carl Jung. So he had this idea um, that there are these kind of archetypal patterns, patterns of behavior, patterns of being would be a better way of saying it rather than just behavior, where there are cross-cultural, there are cross-time, they seem to show up there'll, there'll be very particular flavors of it in any given culture that would be different to other cultures but essentially you're going to have what Carl Jung originally referred to as these kind of four archetypes since that time um, you've got Joseph Campbell who's created the idea of the hero's journey um, since then there's been a woman and I cannot remember her name but she's come up with the idea of the heroine's journey. So there's a kind of a masculine and feminine element to those. And those things are really different. And I have done work on both. And there's a lot of crossover. And for men, the heroine's journey is, can be really, is really, really powerful. And for women, the hero's journey can be really powerful too. So there's lots of crossover. And then there's also a woman called Caroline Miss who's done a lot of work on archetypes and she's really of the opinion that archetypes evolve and develop as humanity involved evolves and develops so again so she might refer to things like the sovereign archetype as actually being the ceo because it has more of a modern take on it but essentially i think there is they're really just saying the same thing which is this there are these ways of being with ourselves, with other people, and what embodiment allows us to do is it allows us to consciously engage with these particular ways of being, because we have an understanding that uh, 
it's actually really powerful to be in our sovereignty when we're in business and when we're in relationships. And it's really powerful sometimes to have not lover only as a sexual intimacy thing, but also to be loving towards oneself. You know, maybe there are people who are familiar with this notion of the inner critic in our mind and this idea that actually it would be really loving to be really loving towards myself might actually be much more helpful than being self-critical. You know, and so if I embody that way of being with myself and be more kind and loving and caring towards myself, that I can make huge transformation and take my life into different directions that I might otherwise go in. So this has got me thinking two things. One is it sounds different to the the temperaments that that uh, Plato came up with, sort of the sanguine uh, um melancholy or melancholic so these are more the temperaments the archetypes are are different to that but also as Lenka and I we often talk about introversion because we're both introverts is archetypes part of that or is that something separate and then the introvert or the extrovert has that archetype on top of it so those were two of these thoughts that have come into my head as, as I was listening to you explaining what archetype was I do see some distinctions in there certainly in in the the you know that those those types that are more maybe emotional than melancholic I don't I don't know anything about them personally because it, in the archetypes it's it is it's like a um as David said it's a way of being but then it is also a way of approaching roles in your life and what, what I love about working with these four archetypes is that we've worked with hundreds of people over the time we've been developing this. And, and I very rarely have we had anybody go, uh? about, you know, what's, what does lover mean or what does warrior mean? There's a, there is a sense of it being quite applicable across different cultures. And obviously we haven't tested that extensively, but I know Joseph Campbell did. He, I mean, he spent dedicated his life to researching the hero's journey and myth. And, and he was very, very clear. I mean, he went into myths from tiny kind of indigenous communities. He, 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 the man was amazing. So I have a real confidence in, in them being quite resonant with people across different cultural backgrounds I'm always willing to be you know put right on that but that's been my experience so far that they resonate with people at a level now as to um introvert and out extrovert for me is a way embodiment and the archetypes is a way of of being able to explore introversion or extroversion or your own other tendencies of of how you turn up in the world and to stretch the boundaries of of it so as an extrovert i find sometimes like using embodiment and using the archetypes to 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 do this backwardness quite useful because it gives other people space and time and i learn a lot and some of the work we we first developed this with 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 our friend um um who also we did embodiment training she was she's very introverted and goodness working with her in an embodied way I learned so much and it really taught me about that that kind of pause a sovereign pause before I jump in with my you know valuable contribution so so I I see that we all have these different aspects and we have different aspects to our personalities and the 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 archetypes is is one among many ways of being able to explore those natural preferences and get a bit more breadth and dimension to them that's going to serve us in 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 the long in the longer term um i find also that the masculine and feminine aspects very interesting to play with and i quite often i do prefer to use yin and yang because you know because it's it's so often not about masculine or feminine these days but but personally, although I really respect the work other people do on the archetypes and 
that modernizing of it and stretching it through time and, and also the feminine archetypes. I find the feminine kind of, I, I find there's enough in warrior, lover, magician and sovereign as a woman to more than support me in my life's endeavors and to view my femininity through those archetypes I find very enriching and very powerful so and I, and I've, I often find that that feminine archetype work actually starts to feel a bit limited and quite often the mother is there or the you know this idea of mother maiden well, I'm like well that doesn't quite do it for me either so I I actually like the the solidity of this group that we have and then you also said is can there be any number of archetypes and it's like yeah there really can we've done sessions with people where we say what archetype do you need I mean do you need do you need the jester archetype in your life today uh David I think had a, a event we were looking at marketing and suddenly he had the town crier coming through as an archetype to 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 further this particular subject so it's a very rich area and we work with these four for the simplicity and the the kind of the depth that, that they can bring because if you went into all of them I think it would dilute things but it's useful to go out there and sometimes pick something that's going to support you in a particular moment and sovereign is is a word that I'm hearing more and more especially this year it's it's it seems to be a new word that's coming out. And, and I appreciate you, you've most probably both been working with this word quite a long time, but for a, shall I say, a lay person, this has become a new word. And, and I'm beginning to realize the power of this word. So for me, the understanding of sovereign is taking responsibility, is, is being responsible for your choices, for yourself, for moving yourself, whereas if you are sovereign, you are your own boss, your own king or queen or warrior or whatever is needed. But at the end of the day, you are responsible for how you feel about something, for the choices that you make, for the way you react to things. And it's not about your family or bosses, colleagues or anything, but it's more about you. So that's my take on it. Mm. And I love how sovereign is an archetype, is is one of the archetypes that you work with and it it makes a lot of sense for me so have I got it right am I am I going on the right track with sovereign for me you are certainly I'll, I'll hand over to David in a minute I just want to add say one thing to this because I'm passionate about it and for me sovereign is everything you've said absolutely everything you've said for me is is spot on but there's one additional aspect that I value highly in sovereign is that in my sovereignty, I see myself as whole. So I am all I need and I have all I need. I'm a, I'm a whole entity. All the ways I mess up, all the things I get wrong are a part of that. All my magnificence, my creative brilliance, the things I'd love to be in the world, the things I am are also a part of that. And, and what, what I think we see in our leadership in the world today is people who absolutely do not see themselves as whole. They are so fractured and diminished in, in so many ways by their beliefs, by what they think they have to be or do. And if we could teach more of those leaders to come from that sense of not needing to take action because of lack or fault or mm, re reaction, but because from their wholeness, from that place where they don't need to protect, they don't need to um, beat anyone because we're all whole. So my wholeness can meet your wholeness. And where those two kind of sovereign circles meet is a place of great magic. But they don't need to overlap. One doesn't need to dominate the other. They don't need to separate and be aloof from each other. They can just exist, coexist. And that's that's one of the beautiful things that I find about sovereign. What helps to make that possible, in my opinion, is that there is also this sense of accepting oneself as not, we're not always gonna be perfect. We are gonna get things wrong. We are gonna make mistakes. And part of sovereignty is owning up to that, taking responsibility for that. 
and being able to say, okay, I didn't know enough or I did make the wrong choice. And then learning from that and being able to move on from that. To really own one's sovereignty can be messy and it can be uncomfortable. And sometimes you have to have conversations or do things where you don't know the answer and you're kind of just feeling your way in the dark. And all of that is part of sovereignty too, for me, uh, in the sense that I have to be able to accept that part of myself if I am to really acknowledge that I am whole. And part of that fracturing that Thea was talking about, I think, is partly because we don't want to accept that part of ourselves. So we, we put in a lot of effort to try and hide it or to um, make it like it's not important. But what I've really experienced for myself is this sense that if I do accept that within myself, it gives me so much energy. It gives me so much power. It gives me so much authenticity to be able to just walk into whatever it is and be able to go, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Like, you know, our conversation today, there are no planned questions. So I have to walk in and say, I don't know. And it helps to make everything flow much better if I can do it that way. And as an example of that, while Theo was talking, I had this thing of, I'm, I'm, uh, there was something that I really wanted to say, and now I've forgotten it, but it has come back. And the other part of that is, if I can really take responsibility for myself and take ownership for myself, then it also makes it much clearer about where the responsive, where you take on your responsibility. So, so one of the things that I think is, um, is prevalent is I'm trying to do something because you're not taking responsibility for it. Yeah. So like, um, so just as like a, almost like a, 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 a silly example but you know if someone in the house isn't uh, cleaning up after themselves so you take responsibility for cleaning up after them for them but then it's like but you're denying them this opportunity for them to really own their sovereignty whilst diminishing your own sovereignty because you're out of balance and you're um you're overstretching yourself so when I become really clear about where my boundaries are and where my responsibility is, it makes it easier for me to be able to see where your boundaries and where your responsibility lies. And then we can have a conversation, probably quite a messy one, but we can have then have a conversation about, you know, how, how do we get this other person to really embrace their sovereignty for themselves? rather than it be something that I say, you have to do this. That isn't how it works. We have to take responsibility and take ownership for ourselves. Wow, that's a lot of to take in and I'm loving this conversation. And I'm so happy that we got kind of towards the topic of self-love through kind of talking about the wholeness and talking about the acceptance. Because I think there's definitely another big, theme that's been appearing in the world a little bit more people realizing that we do need to start working on our relationship with the self and part of it is this quite clearly lacking kind of globally lacking sense of self-love for so many people and i would be very curious to know if there are any ways we can start talking a little bit more practically for people to start implementing embodiment the archetypes to work on themselves to work on their relationships with the self and with others to aid their personal development journeys and I love that we have both the life coach and the leadership coach here so we can look at the personal life but also at the business professional life so let it up to you guys to decide who will start but could we please look at a couple of practical ways we could individually or in a group settings or with help start implementing the work through archetypes to just feel better about ourselves about our lives going forward 
So I think the really pow a powerful place to start would be for us to take a moment to connect into our inner sovereignty, because that's where it all begins. And if you were to think of a king or a queen, traditionally a king or a queen would have been would have been a ruler, but they would also have been a warrior, and they would have been the lover to their partner, but they would have also have needed self-care and they would have needed creativity and they would have needed vision and they would have needed all kinds of understanding about how the kingdom would have worked. So in a way, those other three archetypes, they support and nurture our sovereignty. So if we start with a sovereign, that's a really uh, good place to start and we can move from there. So I invite you to put down anything that you might be holding and listen to my voice as I guide you through um, just almost like a, a guided practice to connect to your sovereignty. Please don't feel like you have to, but if you want to join in, then that would be really great. And you can do this standing or you can do this sitting. I'm going to do it sitting so that I'm close to the microphone. And if you just find a comfortable place to sit, a comfortable way to sit, where you can feel your feet on the floor and your bum on your seat. And so that you can hold yourself in an upright and dignified way. So maybe not on the sofa, but maybe sitting or standing on, a, on the floor or in an upright chair. And to begin with, to bring your attention to the soles of your feet and to move your attention up through the legs, past the knees, up to the thighs and into the hips. Just noticing what's present in your body, what's there. And you can keep your eyes open or leave them closed, whatever you prefer. Allowing your attention to move up through your body to the tummy and the lower back. Your upper back and your chest. And be aware of your shoulders and your arms all the way down to your fingertips. And also be aware of your neck and your head. And with that awareness, you might notice that you want to correct something because it feels uncomfortable in your posture. So making sure that your weight is balanced on your feet or on your chair, right and left and forward and back, so you're well balanced. Your hips are over your feet if you're standing, but shoulders over your hips. And your head balanced on the top of your spine. And then you can relax the core muscles of the body, starting at the forehead, the muscles around your eyes, relaxing your jaw and your tongue, relaxing your chest and your tummy. And as you relax, feeling the weight dropping down, through the seat in your chair, or if you're standing right through to the floor. And if you really relax, you might even notice the ground pushing you back up. And if you don't experience that, then perhaps just imagine it so that your spine feels quite long, it feels quite upright, Again, so that you feel dignified. And hopefully with that, you're feeling quite stable. You're feeling almost quite regal. And to add to that, if you wanted to, you could imagine that you had a crown on your head. 
You could also imagine that you were wearing a big cloak, a heavy cloak over your shoulders that drops down your back to the floor and trails behind you. So that you're feeling the, the weight of responsibility of your sovereignty, but that actually that responsibility feels quite light because your posture is correct. So the more weight pushing down allows for more lightness pushing up. And that if you wanted to continue playing with this, that you could perhaps imagine a challenge or a situation that you're facing right now. And that if you maintain that feeling of sovereignty, that maybe you experience something like a new perspective Or maybe you've come up with a, a different way of approaching it or a different action or a, a different step to take than what you would normally take. And allow your body to talk to you rather than it coming from your head. That time and time again in the sessions that Thea and I run people are so surprised at the insight and the shock and the delight at realizing that they have this wisdom inside of them. And not only is this a really lovely way of being calm and centered, but it's also a really wonderful way of accessing the wisdom that already resides in the body that can guide us through our lives when we find ourselves in challenging situations. So that's one example in which this, the archetypes can support us in our lives. Maybe Thea would like to share one that she enjoys. Yeah, beautiful, David. I just wanted to add to that briefly. I did some sovereign work with a client one-to-one -one once. And, and once it goes into the body, what was obvious for her is sovereign didn't work. Her archetype that worked to access that was a monk. So there are, you know, we adjust for what's, um, for what's, true for the person we're working with um that's what i love about this it's not fixed it's, it's very fluid uh the thing i wanted to share and and it's maybe not something to do in the moment with with us here but it's something that i have just loved doing out and about and it's taking my archetypes for a walk so when i'm when i'm going for a walk i sometimes take a little while to embody each archetype as I'm walking and just notice the difference the different ways it it gets me to access the walk and there are a couple of hints that we use in the embodiment that might that might help this so you've had sovereign a beautiful sovereign stance from David there so you can bring that sense if you're walking with your sovereign of wearing a crown of this being your realm and you're walking through your realm and see what difference it makes. Just notice what becomes important to you or what questions you ask, uh, what jumps out at you in what suddenly becomes obvious to you. I did this once when I was just looking out the window, actually. In fact, I wasn't even walking, I was at the window and I thought, so if I'm in my sovereign and suddenly I wanted to know how people's lives were in the village around me, like, is everybody all right? Do they have what they need? Is it? Suddenly I had all these questions that I never think to ask myself, you know, and then you could bring in um, the lover and lover can be facilitated with a bit more of a flowing like hip movement, a bit more kind of fluid in your movements. 
um, to get those feelings moving or to get a difference in it. And then what becomes obvious to you as you walk with lover? Uh, during the walk, you might notice different things or want different things from the experience. And then you can bring in warrior. And my strong recommendation, unless you're fit, is don't bring warrior when you're going uphill. <laughs> you are likely to speed up. Suddenly you're like, ah, chest forward and ah, go, you know, kind of, yes, on the march. And I really did. I picked up speed and just whew, had to <laughs> had to take a breather afterwards. But it was amazing to notice that my focus just suddenly went went very kind of direct on where I was headed. Uh, lover had been all, you know, floaty. Oh, isn't it all lovely? It's amazing. And then suddenly I went into Warrior and it was just like, get up that path, go. You know, it was completely different experience. And then Magician... We often access with a lightness, like coming a bit up on your tiptoes, bringing your kind of weight upwards, sometimes bring your hands upwards. Um, and again, when I accessed magician in my walk, suddenly nature was, it was like I, I could see the magic of life. So they were such distinct, noticeable differences in the way I responded to the world and what jumped out to me as important in that world around me, that it was mind blowing actually, because it was such a great lesson in how powerful human perception is. And the fact that we get led by our perceptions and they are not necessarily serving us fully, unless we get curious about opening that up to something different because our perceptions are based on reactions to life through our whole lives. And sometimes those reactions aren't true. You know, our perceptions are not always true. And so therefore anything that teaches us more about how we perceive the world and gives us new ways of doing that, I think has a great value in the human experience. And I'd just like to add one more thing because Lenka did specifically mention this idea of self-love and um, one of the exercises that we do for the lover archetype is really if, if again if people want to they could do it now but to simply put your arms around yourself like you're giving yourself a hug and to really look at the core feel for the quality of the touch when you're hugging yourself so you might find that you've got one hand over one shoulder and one hand under your arm. And again, to even maybe rest your head onto that hand that's on the shoulder. And you might even notice that you start rocking yourself like you, as if you were being rocked as a child. And that there's a real tenderness to this and that you might feel that you drop your gaze down towards the floor. Or you might even close your eyes. And again, to ask yourself the question, what would I, what do I, or how could I care for myself today? What one thing could I do today that would be a real act of self-care? And that might be a bubble bath, or it might be going for a walk, or it might be to have, to ask somebody to do a task that you would normally do. Sit and read a book have a quiet evening at home on your own, whatever it might be. And maybe you can do it today and maybe you can't. But even being aware that that's what you feel that you might need or benefit from as an act of self-care is something that can make a huge difference and that you can maybe plan it ahead so that you can give yourself what it is that you need. So I did want to very particularly answer and respond to uh, Lenka's comment about self-care and self-love. Thank you for the these these fantastic you know tools that that can be used and and one of the things that I really love about them is they are very much in the moment. It is a because we are so scattered, you know, with pinging computers and phones and constant busy, busy, busy. And just 
having that taking that time to be in that moment to notice that bringing in that sovereign into you like you know wearing that crown and that that cloak I, I love that I just I had a vision of of this purple cloak you know the big thick velvet warm but comforting and just behind you know like a train and you can just see the power uh, and I also thought of these um Norse kings you know the Vikings and and how they were the warriors and, and everything else so you took me down I'd say memory lane but more into history so thank you for that but it's also being in that moment when you're going for a walk you know seeing how you can be as the lover as the warrior as the magician and and when you were talking about magician I I was thinking of a a, a cartoon you know you see these cartoons or, or Disney the the magicians you know they go on their little toes and like tick, 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 across so I just I thought okay that could be fun walking in the woods on my toes yes that could be fun but it is it's about being in the moment it's stopping all those thoughts going on what I cook for dinner oh I need to do this or I need to do that or you know this person's driving me nuts and this this busy 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 and it's it's stopping that because you're just focusing on one thing which is so important it's part of helping you to to grow and it's it's this um embodiment embodiment of yourself of of your emotions right then right now and not letting all everything the distractions and and everything just have that impact so I want to thank you because they are so simple to do they are easy to do. You can do them every day. You can do them, I don't know, once a week, whenever you can do them, but they're not difficult. They don't take hours and hours. Okay, walk could potentially, depending on how you're enjoying it, but it can be five minutes or it can be half an hour. It's, it doesn't matter. So thank you for those really wonderful tips. I just have one last question, and this is purely for my curiosity and just to almost connect the two together. Is David, in the beginning, you talked about martial arts and how you bring this into your martial arts. First of all, what type of martial arts do you do? And second of all, how, how do you connect these two together? Because I would love to know how you connect the two together. Mm. What a great question. First of all, I just want to go back to what you were saying earlier and that thing about um, how accessible it is in the moment and that one of the really important things, and this will link to martial arts as well, one of the really important things is this thing of uh, dedicated practice. So if we want to make any kind of change, taking two minutes, three minutes, 30 seconds, but giving ourselves dedicated time and place and space to practice things is essential because in practicing them in a safe place where we're not going to be disturbed gives us the opportunity to really get into our being what it is that it feels like to be in our sovereignty, to be in our warriorship, to be in our magician, to be in our lover. And so that when it comes to being in the moment of oh I need this archetype or I need this thing then you've done the practice to be able to easily um, um, access it and that's it so there's this real big important thing around practice and application and that's a, a really important distinction and I think the mistake that people can make is they leave their practice to when they actually are applying it and they don't quite have the skills yet to be able to apply it correctly. And what, what puts that right is the practice. So to your question, the martial arts that I've done um, mostly have been karate, Aikido and Japanese sword. Um, and I've spent a lot of time practicing those things. And... Um, I've also been really blessed in that I've had um, some really incredible instructors who understood 
that martial arts was just much more than what a lot of people think it is these days with mixed martial arts and being in a ring and being in competition and beating people up and all of those sorts of things. The, the training that I was given was around sovereignty, around leadership, around developing the qualities that meant that you took ownership and responsibility of your life and finding ways of being able to inspire other people to do the same for themselves. So the warrior part was really important around things like boundaries, but also around just your own self-defense to be able to walk confidently through life and not feel threatened by um, conflict. And I remember being on holiday once, We, uh, my partner and I, we did a barge holiday in one of the canals in, Brit in Britain. And um, as we were coming towards a lock, I I was inexperienced at using these, these long boats and the front of the boat hit the back of one of the little boats that was moored up. And it was my mistake. Um, and, and the guy who owned the boat that I hit went absolutely bonkers. Um, but I parked the thing up and I went to say to this guy, look, I'm sorry, and all of this sort of thing. But he was really aggressive. He was really, really um, angry and perhaps rightly so. But I wasn't worried because I knew that if it came to it, that I wouldn't have to hit him. I didn't need to. But if it needed to get to that, he'd have just ended up in the water. And that's a really lovely place to be in in oneself where one feels that confident. But that doesn't have to necessarily come from knowing martial arts. That just has to come from knowing oneself, being able to really confidently feel oneself and be oneself and walk through life as oneself authentically. Um, and I think that they're some of the skills that I've learned in martial arts that have been that, that's meant that martial arts has been so much bigger for me than just being, you know, on the mats, as we say in martial arts. It's taking that skill and those qualities out into real life. Um, and that is a, a very, very different um, type of teaching. That's a very, very different type of um, instruction. Yeah, I love I love that story. And I, I'm so glad you made that point that it's not about knowing a martial art. It's about self mastery. Because uh, in my when I first trained in my in my intuitive coaching work, we had a we had a brilliant expression. Don't just do something stand there. And because normally we just do something. We have an automatic response, it might be to square up to somebody like that, it might be to back away. But if you take a moment, you have the confidence to go, I'm going to take a pause here. I'm going to take a little moment to let go of everything I think I need to do and allow other information to come in. A real sovereign moment where I can stand in my sovereignty and acknowledge myself as whole and acknowledge this man as whole, albeit angry. <laughs> then something else can come in that is the equivalent of of him ending up in the river that that is going to have a better outcome than the automatic uh, response and that's what I love about this work and embodiment work that is that ability to one when we were talking earlier about the practices for me one of the most simple ways to re-engage yourself is to stop and and it kind of in particular if particularly if it's stressful is to Take a moment to engage your peripheral vision. So if you hold your fingers closed right in front of your nose and then open them out to the sides until you can just see them at your corners of your eyes. If you just do that occasionally, it opens everything up and you're no longer in a fight, flight, fear response. You, you've, you've opened new possibilities. And it's, it's, that's, that's when we start to create really different outcomes for ourselves and david's so right because you don't remember to do that in the moment unless you've practiced it speaks to what i said i think right at the start which is this idea of these are universal themes 
yeah public speaking martial arts creating leadership business doesn't matter what the you know parenting finances health well-being doesn't matter what the context is these these qualities of sovereignty they are universal and it's the same for all the other archetypes too yeah and um and that's a really really important thing to i think to acknowledge because it's it doesn't ha- again it doesn't have to be complicated this all of this stuff there are universal qualities universal themes that we can all tap into that can be used in almost any context yeah so it doesn't have to be complicated it's actually very simple i love how we came full circle back to pretty much the beginning and i must say that this has been an incredible conversation and i wish we could continue forever because there's so much more we can explore and i'm pretty sure that this is not the last time we have you on the podcast and i would love to encourage our listeners to let us know what you would like to hear us go more in depth what are the areas that you've learned about during this conversation that you would like david and thea to come back and talk to us a little bit more about but i can't help myself to squeeze in one more question because you are so insightful guys so i would be wondering if there's one thing that you're kind of hoping to share today that you're hoping we might have a conversation about that we haven't got there yet one piece of advice that can really help people during these turbulent and stressful times we ran a workshop a little while ago and one of the participants in her feedback she said the thing that i really took away from this is that sovereignty is about stewardship it's this thing of in caring for myself see one of the things that i think people are taught often in society is this idea of being selfish is a bad thing to take a stand for something um for myself is a bad thing um but i think the reality is that no standing in your sovereignty and being a stand for something that's really important to you is a really 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 positive thing and that what you're role modeling is that if we all stood in our sovereignty it isn't about us being independent and i don't care about anybody else it's actually the opposite that there's this real sense of yes i care for myself and because i care for myself i care for others and i am concerned about my community and i am concerned about my nation and i am concerned about the world and in the environment and war and peace and you know all of these all of these different things but again if i stand in my sovereignty then i can do what is appropriate and right for me in this moment and not overstress stretch myself but also not stress myself like the people that get worried about what's going on in in Russia or Syria or all of these things yes there are things to get worried about but but please don't damage your health and your well-being as a consequence of these things yeah and be in your sovereignty and to do what is appropriate do what is appropriate for your children or for your work or for your marriage or for your business or whatever but don't sacrifice yourself in order to do those things. Mm, beautiful David, so true. Yeah, I love that bit of feedback. It was amazing. It, for me, it comes back to the same thing again and again, which is that human beings are infinitely creative. We have infinite capacity and gifts and resources to create what we love. I've, you know, I've just the magic that we are capable of and we are always creating we can't not create so we're either creating from that bit of us that is fractured that isn't sovereign that thinks we need to survive that thinks we need to protect that thinks we need to beat other people or whatever those urges are we will create more and more of that if we're not growing our self-awareness and opening up to the 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 more powerful parts of ourselves but when we do we are capable of creating 
the magic that dreams are made of and and that's what life that's what makes life important and beautiful is when we open to that when we create magic and it's what brings us together as well because then we create beauty beauty together that's yeah that's the thing i love more than anything so beautifully said thank you so much for dedicating your time to speak with us today and if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you want to learn more about your work check out your upcoming events where would be a good place for them to find you online uh yeah great thank you um so we have two areas two places that people can go they can either go to the archetypes academy youtube channel and we've got loads of um, recordings of 30-minute embodiment sessions that we've done um, over the last few months. Um, and there are some other things there as well that people can uh, watch and they can get more information about, about um, the archetype work that we've been doing. And then we also have an Archetypes Academy Facebook group. Um, so again, any events that we're doing will be announced there. Uh, any um, blogs or articles that we publish, there'll be links to all of that there. There's a really good stream of of um, videos and content that you can connect into that uh, is on that on that thread or on that feed. Also, very welcome to reach out to us on LinkedIn. Thea Allison and David Brown, we're both on. I'm on not very regularly, <laughs> but I will get back to you eventually. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much, guys. Again, this has been a fantastic session and I really hope that one day we'll be able to do this again and to dig a little deeper. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Thank you. It's been lovely. Really enjoyed it. If you enjoyed listening to our conversation, please share it with your friends and colleagues and don't forget to subscribe. We would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and write a short review.